0: You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. Hi, Dr. E, or suffice to call you Emmanuel Michael. This is Mary from Lake of the Woods in Virginia. Uh, the question I have for you is about Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, could he only do what the Father asked him to do? Since he was fully God and fully man, was he able to do the miracles on his own? Uh, Was he able to look at the heart of man on his own? Or was it always through the power of the Holy Spirit or his Father who would communicate with him because of the special connection?
1: Yeah, you know, this is a great question, Mary, and like Hannah said, we'll we'll break it apart a little bit. At the core, we're trying to grasp that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Now, let's let's start out by saying this is a major New Testament teaching. So, what we're going to do in this, you know, Q and A is is going to be abbreviated. But let's think about some things John's Gospel records. And to me, these lay a foundation for thinking about some of the points in your in your uh, question, John five nineteen. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son of Man does, in like manner. In John five thirty, a few verses down. Jesus again, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is this, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then finally, in John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing but i raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life and i myself will raise him up on the last day now for those of you who really want to burrow down further you know, let me just make a little comment about a concordance And now, of course, everything's on your phone or your tablet or your computer, but there's such a thing called an exhaustive concordance. If you use a New American Standard Bible, you'll want to use a New American Standard concordance. If you use an NIV, you want to use a New International Version concordance and so on. So you can go online, on your phone, on your device, on your computer, or actually a book, and you're going to look up certain terms, and every time that word occurs... Therefore, exhaustive concordance is going to show up. So in this case, if I was starting out with the Father's will, I might look up the word Father in the New Testament or the will in New Testament and just start scrolling down and circle all the times it's in John, and then open your Bible. Again, on your, on your computer or tablet or phone, you click to a concordance, and you can generate a list of all these kind of verses. So that's for free. Let's come back to the question. So the submission... Of Jesus to the Father is what I want you to see. He is the God-man, but he willingly submits himself to his Father's will. He left his place in heaven with his Father, and he came to earth. He submits to his Father's will all the way to the crucifixion, where, of course, we know about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prays this couple pass from me. Matthew 26, 39 and he went a little beyond and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So even though we have these glimpses into the thoughts of the God-man, we know that he willingly submits to his Father in everything. Now, Mary suggests that Jesus was able to do miracles on his own, and uh, that was, that's what I call an argument from silence. In other words, the Bible doesn't say Jesus did this without consulting his Father. The Bible doesn't say the Father told him to do this miracle. Okay? So, John 5.30 is clear. I can do nothing on my own initiative. In John 6.38 we read, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So, let me suggest these are overarching principles of Jesus' ministry he always does that which is pleasing to his father he only does what his father instructs him to do
0: so i mean mary asked specifically not just about miracles but that jesus had the ability to see the heart of man and so was that his ability or was that the holy spirit in him that i mean
1: yeah and it's a great question um l- let's let's look at that verse that reference because we have some insight again from john's gospel in john 2 it's a bit of a larger section but it deals with his comment about destroying the temple in three days. And he says, I will raise it up. And the Jews take issue with him. They go, hey, it took 46 years to build this. But John says Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. And in John two twenty-four, Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them. For he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. So a couple things this is the insight Christ knew the hearts of men. Does that mean he was a mind reader? I don't know. I think as the sovereign creator of the universe, he certainly knew all the thoughts and intents of man's heart. Yeah,
0: And I mean, sometimes there are passages where it's like, Jesus is like, I know what you're thinking right now.
1: Like, (laughs) right, right. But as the God, man, we've got this tension Uh where he is going to um, know things, but also restrain things. Sure. Um, let me talk about one word here. I think it's really interesting. Jesus was not entrusting himself to man. That's the same word as believed in the Gospel of John. Huh. He knew men. He didn't need to put confidence in men. He didn't need their testimony to prove him or to prove his mission or ministry. Hmm. So, uh, yes, he knows what's in the heart of man. And, again, I, I wouldn't differentiate so finely that God let him know what was in heart the man man's heart yeah. or that Jesus knew on his own because we do have the Trinitarian Godhead. He's fully God and fully man. Yeah,
0: I think even that is so fascinating. I mean, I guess now having a toddler, a little boy, and as we went through Advent and now Easter, and uh, Tyler and I watched Passion of the Christ this past Easter, you know, in preparation for Easter Sunday, and uh, you just, I mean— once you become a mom, just connect with that storyline on a different level, watching Mary, you know, watch her son be tortured and crucified. Um, But the thought of, okay, Jesus as a toddler, was he fully God, you know, fully God and fully man at two? And, you know, seeing my son's sin nature come out, but also knowing, like, a crying baby is not sin nature. Anyway, it's just, it's a fascinating, when, when did he really be, I mean, I guess he was fully God from birth, but Interesting to think of fully God could be in the teeny tiny package of a four-year-old.
1: <laughs> in utero.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah, in utero. So you, you go back to, we talk often about Christophanies or Theophanies, yeah. the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. So he has eternally existed as a son. You know, I remember a small group years ago, Hannah, and for whatever reason, uh, I can't remember the context of the question, but it was like, well, I I pitched the question, what state is Jesus in right now when he's at the right hand of the Father? Mm. And the group had all these kind of different, you know, answers. And I said, don't you think he's a physical, corporeal, a body, uh-huh. it's a resurrected body, a physical natured human being, fully God, fully man, but he is now ascended to the Father and glorified. Uh-huh. And it looked at I me mean, like I was crazy. Huh. And I go. I don't know why we have this picture of Jesus being sort of science fiction, you know, yeah. flying around, taking different. What shapes What about and like forms.
0: Revelation? Like he's the lamb. Like the lamb. The, I mean, he's it, the isn't... lamb.
1: He's the he's the one who's slain. He's yeah. riding on a horse with yeah. his name on his thigh. We have images of him, but I don't think that any of that takes away that he's a physical person, mm-hmm. fully God, fully man. Yeah. I mean, the, the, some Bible scholars call this an antinomy, two truths that you can't you know, justify. Sure. You know, no, that's not the way I say it. Two truths that occupy the same space. You can't have a round square. Right. That, it's a bad illustration, Yeah. but he's fully God, fully man. But let's go back to, to Mary's question. Sure. And let me, let me suggest one other uh, passage with some caution. Okay. It's Philippians chapter two, and this is begins in verse seven, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he's fully God, fully man, yet Paul is telling the Philippian believers he emptied himself Uh willingly. Uh Now, this is called the kenosis in Greek. Uh, This was not self-willed. This was becoming submissive to the Father's will. So it's safe to say, and I put this in quotes, Jesus set aside his full deity. Okay. Now, uh, that's a landmine for, for careful theologians, but just for for <laughs> conversation's sake, he sets aside his full deity, yet he is fully God and fully man, obedient to his Father. Uh-huh. So we can't comprehend the eternal creator, Sustainer Jesus, who, by the way, I believe is the one who created the universe. Hmm. God the Father has God the Son doing the work according to Colossians chapter 1. So that's Jesus right. is creating the ordered world we see. He's creating the animals.
0: The Spirit's the one that's like hovering. The, the, right. yeah, the whole so you've Trinity's got this there. Trinitarian is one. Godhead
1: at, uh, that's working in yeah. concert is one. But when he emptied himself, in my, just for my simple brain to understand it, yeah. think of himself by his sovereign ability able to say, I'm not going to know certain things while I am incarnate. Okay. I know them, and I know them from eternity past. Yeah. But because I'm the God-man, again, it's a poor illustration, but almost think of him compartmentalizing. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to hold that the way I can hold it. Now, he could. Sure. But this was the kenosis. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. May, uh, made in the likeness of men, found in appearance as a man, all the way to the point of death. Huh. So when he cries out on the cross, "You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? forsaken me?" That yeah. you see, he is he is fully human. And at that moment, he the kenosis is realized. He's he's allowing the death to occur. They didn't kill him on the cross. Right. They crucified him, but he's the one they who give up gives his up spirit. his life yeah. because he's eternal. You can't kill him, mm. but he has to die. Mm. So you know, a lot of this is really a mind bender. But anyway, I'm off in the weeds now. He sets aside, and again, use that in quotations, he sets aside his full deity in the sense that he's still fully God, fully man, but he empties himself. Yeah. And again, it's not doesn't answer all my questions, but it helps me understand a little bit about this tension.
0: Yeah, I think my cop-out is just my tiny human brain just can't actually understand all of this. And maybe we, I always wonder, when we get to heaven, will we have full comprehension and understanding of all these things we wondered about? Or will it just not even matter anyway, so we won't care that we still don't...
1: As, as my friend Ronnie Cohen says, <laughs> it's a 50-50 likelihood. Either you're right or you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting about this is... Um, I mean, this is the stuff of theology. This is where you yeah. know, people spend their lives studying this. Yeah. So I'm impressed when people ask these questions because they're thinking, you know, I wonder what that means. Yeah,
0: that's great. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694. Or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain. And you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.